Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hi, great to be with you on this Thursday morning, last day of the month of February. That once every four year thing when we get this thing called leap year, leap day. It's never a leap of faith to dial up the Diddy and say, hey, Diddy, you come in the studio for an hour? I mean, Diddy, we love you. We need you. And here he is, the Hall of Famer, Mr. Ray Dinninger. Ray Diddy, sir, how are you? I'm doing very well, Joe. How are you? I am good. I am. Uh... So, Ray, you ever think about the, the kids born on leap year, leap day? Yeah. Like, there's an 84-year-old today who can finally drink. <laughs> he's, he's finally 21. I mean, think about that. Like, there's an 84-year-old. It's his 21st birthday today. Yeah, it's wild. How ridiculous is that? It's absurd. I hadn't really thought about that, Joe, but that is a very interesting observation. These are the things, Ray, that percolate in my mind, you know? How does the government handle that one? <laughs> and when does he say, when do I, I do need some, I need somebody today. I need at least one person because I guess it's about one out of uh, 1300 or so or a leap, a leap year kid. Well, 365 times four. So that would be how often someone's born on leap day, I guess. No, 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 no. Because of seasonal sex. Oh, geez. Hey, there's a lot. Was well, that the reason? I mean, so there are, I think there are periods of the year sure. where there are higher birth but, rates. But I mean, I'm stuff, sure yes. about one in 2000. Yeah, roughly. I think it's roughly yeah. seasonal a sex. Yeah, seasonal sex. You, hey, oh. Your parents had sex in May, and here you are in February. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal I need to hear from one person today, one at 215 592 9494, that today is your birthday. Amongst other things, I need to know when it's not leap year, do you celebrate on February 28th or March 1st? But here's the thing I'm also more curious to know. When you do have one of these things where it actually comes around to your actual birthday, you just party your ass off? I mean, this is a big deal. If this is your day, you only get it once every four years. Got to take it off and go you gotta, wild. You got to go wild. Go wild. All right, Ray Diddy. Um, there's been a lot going on lately. There's some contention. There's AJ. There's Howie. There's Nick. We're trying to let me start with this, Ray. Who should bet lead off for the Phils? 
<laughs> I didn't see that coming. Let's bring it down a notch. We had a we had a poll yesterday, Ray. We had a poll, right? In which thirty nine percent said Trey Turner, thirty three percent said Kyle Schwerber, twenty eight percent said Bryson Stott. What says Ray Diddy? I'd probably say Trey Turner. I would probably go with the majority here. And what is the? Uh, or I agree with you. What's your argument for Trey? Um. I think he's a guy who's done it before and done it successfully. I think he's got everything you're looking for in a leadoff man. Uh, he's a smart hitter, um, has speed, can get on base, but you also get, you're also not sacrificing power. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think after last year, I mean, we all know how the season started, but the way it finished is more typical of what he is. Yeah. And if that's what he's going to be, I want him batting first. See, here's an argument to that point, Ray. So when they tried to bat him first last year, he struggled. He also struggled batting whatever the heck else he batted for the first four months. Two, three, four, I don't really Clean remember. Clean up a Five, bit, yeah, six. he was, all, he was a, moved around. But here's the deal. Once he locked in, had, he, had they moved him to first, you know, they could have won with him at first. I mean, the guy was knocking the cover off the ball. That, that's, where, I guess, when I say I think it's circumstantial that they happen to win. Not entirely circumstantial. I don't want to discredit Kyle Schwarber. But my point is, it's all about how you play – when you play and how others are playing around you. I mean, if, if they get Trey Turner, you know, slugging whatever the heck it was at the end of the year, yeah, I want that guy up more than I want Kyle Schwarber up. And I expect, Ray, Trey Turner to have a better season than Kyle Schwarber. I think he's a better baseball player. Right. I mean, that's the argument. So what I, if- I, think, I, think that's, I think it's exactly right. And um, I would give him the chance. I'd start the year off with him there and see how it goes. Would you I, bet, I think he'll be fine. Would you bet Harper too, Ray? I know old school baseball was no. It's three and four for your best player. Ted Williams, Barry Bonds, pick your guy, Mike Schmidt. Schmidt, he always batted three or four. But would you say, you know what? Sometimes, you know, sometimes Danny Ozark batted him one. How, how did he? Re- I didn't know that in 70s, He had, he had uh, Schmidt lead off from time to time. If the, wow. if the offense was got stale Interesting. or Schmidt was sort of struggling, um, the O's would um, would put him in lead. The O's. <laughs> That's good stuff. Early the wizard, analytics the guy. The O's, as he was known. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Danny, would, uh, Danny would bat him lead off. Not, and just for... A week or so, yeah. but just to kind of change things up. Would you be open to Bryce Harper too? Righty Trey, lefty Harper. There's no pitcher in the National League anymore batting nine, so they do follow position players. Would you be open to? Let's just have the two best players, bang bang, right out of the gate. I I, I like him at three. I just really like him. I think he's a natural three. Um, I know the righty lefty thing is appealing, but I I just think to me he's a natural three hitter. And um, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I'm just amazed at how good he is at first base already. Oh, tremendous. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. The guy never played the position. And uh, I'm not saying he's going to win the gold glove this year, um, but he's already a better defensive first baseman than Reese Hopkins will ever be. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it, it's amazing how good he is. They just tossed him the mitt and said, go play. And he's already really good at it. Yeah, he can do it. 215-592-9494 to get in on all this. Ray, let's get to an Eagles thing, and then we'll do a lot of calls and a lot with you here this hour. Um how do you make – actually, let, let, me, let me play a piece of audio. Let's listen to Howie Roseman um, from two days ago because I'm curious, Ray, your thoughts on how Howie and Sirianni presented themselves. And I think the early uh, salvo from Howie answering really the first question set the tone for the messaging he wanted to put out there. Let's listen to Howie the other day um, near the beginning of that press conference. I'm proud of the, the people that we have on this team, uh, on and off the field. You know, obviously, um, the end of the season didn't go the way we wanted to, but um, at the same time, you know, making the playoffs six of the last seven years, being in two of the last six Super Bowls, I feel like we've developed some sort of winning culture. 
um, now we got to add to that. And I think we got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, I, I'm a little bit excited about um, kind of aggressively uh, going after some future players that we did to start this off and bringing back at least one of our guys. So um, it's a good start, but we got a lot of work to do. And I'm um, excited to do it with the people that we get the opportunity to do it. Ray, what did you make of how Howie messaged things the other day, how he presented them, so to speak? Um, well, I think you're right in saying that he had a specific message in mind that he wanted to deliver. Um, and he did it right off the top with the idea that well, we have a lot of people here that we're really proud of, yeah. uh, trying to clear the air of what's kind of been around this team for a while. Just kind of a, you know, we're okay. We like our people. Season didn't finish the way we would like. Yeah, well, no kidding. <laughs> but, you know, we're still fine. You know, over, the, over time, if you look at us over time, you know, we're a winning team. We've been in the playoffs three years in a row. We're in Super Bowl not that long ago. We're still good, you know. And, yeah, last season ended badly, but we're still the Philadelphia Eagles. That's kind of the message that he put out there. Now, how much people buy that, I don't know. Do you buy it, Ray? Well, they have a lot of work to do. Um, I, I, th I think a lot of it is just basic meat and potatoes football. I think they need better players, and, and especially on the defensive side. I mean, they got – they pretty much have to rebuild the whole back end of the defense. I mean, no kidding. I mean, they really do. So is Howie getting off easily with all this? Because I, I really feel like overwhelmingly positive about Howie. Uh, having heard him speak yesterday, I, I came away from that like, yep, that's Howie. Smart, sounding, as smart as a whip, just like always. Sure. But, you know, we do have so much work to do as you continue to address like especially on the defensive side of things oh god on yes. the offensive side of things there is uncertainty that maybe we are like i am trying to block out because it's so uncomfortable uh you know with certain guys not being available jason kelsey whether he's back or not with how how immensely that changes our offense and how that cannot be understated uh that that certainly does matter there's so much that goes on and into all of this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I mean, Howie is uh, <clears throat> uh, a guy that um, can say a lot without saying very much. That's true. And that's kind of what this was, but it's just a matter of tone. What's the tone that he's putting out there? Is it an, oh, my God, our house is burning down kind of feeling, or is it just a, yeah, we're disappointed, but we'll be okay? Which is that's kind of what I expected, and that's pretty much what he delivered. Yeah, I agree with you. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four to weigh in. The Diddy with us for an entire hour. He'll be fielding phone calls with us today as well. Today's show is sponsored by Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, the only app I use. Join me, and you're in the zone. New users get up to one thousand dollars casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first twenty four hours. You must be twenty one in PA or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER. Right up ahead, a lot more here with the Diddy, including some audio of what AJ Brown and Nick Sirianni had said uh, in recent days. We'll play that for Ray, get his assessment of that. Howard Eskin today at 8. More on the Phil's leadoff spot. Who should lead off? And something Ruben Amaro said to us yesterday about the leadoff predicament. A fascinating comment by Ruben about one of the three options. We'll get to that. Rock all your calls. Joe Cameron, John Ritchie on Leap Day on 94 WIP. I am so glad I replaced my windows with Window Nation a few years ago. I've noticed the difference in my energy bill keeping out the cold, especially here in February, which, by the way, is back today. If you are feeling the frigid drafts coming through your windows and noticing your heating bills are getting higher, then it's time to fight the February cold with quality replacement windows from Window Nation. 
This month only, replace your windows and save big with 50% off on all window styles, plus an additional 10% off through the end of the month. Act now. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Well, there's no doubt, like 30 years ago, a young Diddy was rocking MTV. We know that. <laughs> Ray Dettinger in studio. Show to camera, John Ritchie. It's 94 WIP. We've got today's Twitter poll question of the day. It's brought to us by Armin Chevrolet. Armin offering the highest quality certified pre-owned vehicles in the Delaware Valley. Together, let's drive. Visit ArminChevy.com. Today's question, will the Flyers make the playoffs this season? 22 games to go. They're currently in a playoff spot. Hopefully, they hold on to it. A few points up. Do they make it a yes, b no? You can vote at Sports Radio WIP on Twitter. All right, a lot on the uh, on the Eagles here. We'll do a lot with Ray, uh, the King Howard asking up ahead at eight o'clock. Howard, uh, excuse me, Ray. Let's get to this this um, survey of NFL players we had referenced earlier. I guess when you were either walking in or driving in, but um, a survey conducted from August to November, in which um, most NFL players, seventy seven percent of players, voted on their own team. Not on other teams, but on their own team. And mm-hmm. Nick Sirianni, and the Eagles had a you know a lot of engagement, and Sirianni got an A from Eagles players. And we turn to you, Ray, because you're like our resident Obi-Wan. So does an A voted on from August to November? August to November is when they voted. August to November. Does that get invalidated when you consider that the collapse happened thereafter? Like... How much stock do you put in this A, or do you think it's kind of phony baloney now if they voted before things collapse? It's totally phony. <laughs> totally phony. I put nothing in it. I put nothing in it. I mean, it's. I mean, if if if, if the if the thing was taken in November, they're what ten and one in November, right? Yeah. So you know, yeah, I'd say the world changed significantly <laughs> after that. Um, 
you know, I mean, that, that's why someone said to me, if you remember at, after, the, after the Tampa Bay game, after the Tampa Bay fiasco, um, remember there was all the conversation about are the Eagles going to fire Nick Sirianni, which was a very real conversation which was happening on the streets and also happening right here in this studio. Also happening in Lurie's office. I don't no, care no, no question. what anybody thinks. No question. No doubt. No question that it was being asked. And so while the players are cleaning out their lockers, all the media is down there doing what the media has to do, which is asking the players questions. And one of the questions you're asking is, do you think your coach is going to get fired? Uh, well, perfectly legitimate question to ask. Uh, and a lot of the players are coming out and def- defending – Nick to the hilt, saying all kinds of wonderful things about what a great coach he is uh, and all that. And my reaction to that is, you know, what you're saying now means nothing. All the words that you're saying now don't matter. What matters is what you put on the field in Tampa Bay. If If you really felt this way about your coach, if you really loved your coach, if you really wanted to make sure that he was going to be your coach moving forward, the time to make that statement was on the field in Tampa. Don't play the way you played in Tampa and then come out the next day and say you love your coach because you sure didn't play like it. Uh, and your performance is why we're having this conversation. So, I mean, a lot of that was just empty words. How do you think he lost them, Ray? If, if the implication you're saying is that he lost them or lost them to some extent, do you think it was more offensive scheme went awry with just the same thing and they lost faith in him as a schemer? Do you think it was the Sean Desai thing and he rolled on a defensive coordinator but kept himself in charge of the offense? Do you think it was culture actually really – uh, had major issues otherwise. And where, how do you think Sirianni lost them? Uh, I think it's a little bit of all of those things. Um, the, the decision to change defensive coordinators, even though Sean Desai had not exactly distinguished himself, totally blew up in their face. I mean, because they only got worse after the change. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the um, – just the complete collapse of the of of the offense. I mean, because I think everybody recognized that the defense had personnel issues. I mean, you recognized anybody watching the defense, you knew some of these problems here is our players just aren't good enough. But what was happening on the offense was harder to explain. You know, why the offense was making so many mistakes, why the offense was unable to make big plays in big spots, why they couldn't convert third downs when they absolutely had to convert third downs, why they couldn't do the simple fundamental things that they did so easily the year before. Where did all that go? You know, and why did the quarterback who was knocking on the door of MVP the year before now seemingly had lost his way and completely had regressed in terms of, his fundamentals, in terms of his mechanics, and most of all in terms of his decision-making. Where did all of that go? I think that – I think some of it – I don't want to say that it should, was all directed at Nick, but Nick was certainly part of it. But when you look back over the whole season, it seemed to me that this may be – I may be guilty of oversimplifying. I don't think they ever recovered from the San Francisco game. I don't think they ever recovered from the San Francisco game. I think the San Francisco game was such a devastating beatdown – that I don't think that psychologically they ever really recovered from that. It's incredible. So does 
when does Jalen start looking like repaired Jalen in your mind? You know, like this was not quite right this whole season. Correct. Never really got on track. I still don't understand whether he was hurt or not th- this season. You know, like, like that's still a gray area where he did not run as effectively. He right. didn't look as athletic. He was not as explosive or quick or threatening. And I don't even understand exactly why that was. Right. Uh, but do you think with a new quarterback coach and with Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator, how long how long does this rehabilitation take and how good can he be soon? It shouldn't take that long. I, th- I thought, and I even think we had this discussion, I think I even remember having this discussion with you two guys was when they reconstituted the coaching staff and after Sean Staken had left and they promoted Brian Johnson to the, to, from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator, um, all the conversation was, oh, this is going to be great, you know, because Brian mm-hmm. Johnson has this big history and he played for Jalen's father and he knew Jalen when he was the ball boy on the high school team and they're best friends. And isn't that great that his, you know, his, he's going to have this kind of relationship with – and. I said to you guys, I'm not so sure that's a great thing. <laughs> you know, he doesn't need a friend. You know, he doesn't need somebody that's going to talk about the good old days when you were, you know, when you were carrying the water bottle. He needs a coach. He needs a coach. You know, and you don't need your, be- you don't need your coach to be your best friend. Coaches are there to coach. They're not there to be your best friend. And so that's why this idea that, oh, this is going to be great. I just, I saw it the other way. Now, I didn't say it was possible. I didn't say it was totally going to blow up. But the one thing I said was, don't put too much stock in that whole thing because coaches have to coach. And I think when you, when you look back over the season and you hear what's been said since then, there was the feeling that there were times that they felt like Brian was reluctant to do what coaches have to do, which is tell Jalen, yeah. hey, you can't be doing that anymore. Yeah, You've got to play better than that. Yeah. He pulled back on that. And even a player as accomplished as Jalen Hurts, especially at this point in his career, doesn't need that. He needs a coach more than he needs a buddy. Ray, let's do one more on Hurts, and we'll get back to the phones here. Curious, what do you hear about Hurts? We we all hear stuff. We read stuff. We see reports. We talk to people. We talk to friends who are media members. You have access to a lot of people at a national level. You have access to people on a local level. Mm-hmm. What do you hear about Hurts behind the scenes? The teammate stuff, is he working as hard? Did he, did he get a little complacent after having all that success in 2022? What do you hear about Hurts? Uh, it has me – a lot of what I'm hearing has me scratching my head because a lot of what I'm hearing is that, um, oh, there's a lot of talk about the quarterback. we got a problem with the quarterback. The quarterback is lo- aloof. He's distant. He's not interacting with his teammates. He shows no emotion. He don't, and I said, uh, wait a minute. That's all the stuff that we said was good a year ago. You know, remember all the stuff that we said, oh, man, he's, he never gets ruffled. He's always cool. He's always in control. You know, it, it's kind of you're, you're kind of saying the same thing. To me, at, from the outside, he looks like the same guy. Um, I think there was uh, – I do think, to the point that John was making, I do think he was dealing with something physical most of the year. Early in the year, I do think he hurt his leg, and I don't know that it ever totally responded which I think was reflected in the play calling and the coach's desire to try and protect him. 
which limited the RPO stuff, which limited the whole offense, really. Uh, and then everything just kind of fell apart. But uh, the idea that this kind of distance that you saw in him and this kind of, you know, kind of too cool and never gets ruffled, never gets emotional, were all the things that we were saying were good on the way to the Super Bowl. Now all of a sudden they're bad. You know, I don't know that he's changed that much. I just think that he has to play better. You know, I, d- I just think it's as simple as that. And he can. There's no question he can. Uh, I mean, the year before, he made such a leap forward oh, yeah. in his ability to his ability to play from the pocket. I mean, he was he really developed into a really good pocket player. I mean, the RPO stuff was. I mean, that took his game to a whole other level. But his ability to play and make decisions in the pocket and make accurate throws beyond the intermediate, but down the field. I mean, his growth in that area was exponential the previous year. Yeah. Um, he's got to get back to that, but there's no reason why he can't. But I certainly think a lot of it has to do with the coaching and the offensive play design, and that's Nick and that's Kellen Moore. All right, let's get a lot of calls in here. Again, 215-592-9494 on the Eagles thing with Hertz. The survey done by the NFL Players Association, um, do you discredit it because it was done between August and, and November prior to the Eagles' collapse? Or does the Eagles' fourth-place finish of all NFL teams, you put great stock in that. And really the thing we've been discussing the most today, who should bat lead off for the Phillies? We had this poll result yesterday. It's always fascinating when we have a poll result where, you know, the, 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 the choices aren't separated by many votes. Trey Turner got 39% of the vote to lead off. That's where I'm at. Schwerber got 33% of the vote to lead off. That's where Seltzer's at. And Bryson Stock got 28% of the vote, and that is where uh, Richie's at. Where do you come down? Who should lead off and why? Let's go to Tom. He's calling from uh, from down south. What's up, Tom? Uh, Joe, how you doing? Yo, Tom. Morning, Mr. Dittinger. How are you, sir? I'm fine. How are you? Fine. Thank you. Hey, do you mind, Joe, if I follow up? I want to say something about that Phillies leadoff, but I want to ask sure. Mr. Dittinger something about Hurts. Go for it. The, the year prior in the offseason, it, it was said that he worked with a guy named Tom House. Now, it seemed to me like he took, uh, obviously, his most progressive in that, in that deal. How come no one has said, you know, let's go find Tom House and get him over here to fix him again? Maybe they have. Maybe they will. You know, I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, Tom House has worked with a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, people may remember Tom House was a major league pitcher for a long time, and then developed himself after his baseball career to be this uh, guru of kinesiology where he works with people of all throwing mechanisms, baseball and football. But he's, he's got a big following in football. He's worked with a lot of NFL quarterbacks uh, and had some really good success. And so, yeah, I mean, House was given a lot of credit for the success that Jalen had last year. Uh, after what happened last season, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's up for some fine-tuning. Yeah. I mean, there's another guy out there that does kind of the same thing who I would absolutely look up, and that's Jordan Palmer, uh, who's Carson Palmer's brother, who is um, who's now made a, a living out of being this um, quarterback whisperer. He was a quarterback himself, but he's now become a better coach than he has what is ever a player. Did Carson Wentz work with him at yes. one point? Yes, they all did. Mahomes did. Justin Herbert did. I mean, they, he runs this super camp out in mm-hmm. California. I suggested to Howie Roseman a year ago because he he's had such tremendous results with these guys. I said, heck, why don't you hire him and put him on your staff instead of letting him be this free agent coach driving around in his Lamborghini out on the West Coast, <laughs> you know, with his, with his Ray-Ban glasses, you know, doing classes out of his trunk. Why don't you hire him and put him on your staff? 
and how he said, you know, he, he's got this great life, and why would he change it? You come, you put him on the staff, all of a sudden he's in a room watching tape 14 hours a day. <laughs> I don't blame the guy. Probably making, making less money, too, yeah. 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 And, and, making a, and making a fortune doing it while he's playing 36 holes of golf. Why would he want to give that Jeez. away? Okay, I kind of get that. It's a great life. But he's, had, but he's had tremendous success with some great quarterbacks. Wow. Hey, Tom, give me your Phillies point. With Turner, you know, I think they would have recruited him and went out and told him that he was going to bat lead off. It might have had something to do why he started so slow last year. Him or Stott, who is Stott, is truly underrated. He is going to be. He's a great hitter. Harper is a true three. And Schwarber, who lead off, he's still clogging the bases up. He is your number four hitter all day, if you ask me. He should be batting cleanup. All right, Tom, give me an answer for who or what took a leap on this leap day. I'm going to say the worst team in the professional sports that should have won the Super Bowl this year, the Detroit Lions. Yeah, they did. There'll be a lot of answers. It's funny, when you said it, when you were going toward a team, the first thought I had was the 93 Phils. Uh, but the Detroit Lions obviously took a leap. And the Classic Detroit Lions first. have yeah, exactly. the same offensive and defensive coordinators coming back this year. It's a huge advantage. Yeah, but you know my opinion. They're going right back down the tubes. The Lions. Why do you hate them so uh, much? Because America's darling. I got tired of it. Enough. Ouch. Enough. Dan Campbell. They're not guy. going right back tough down guy. any two. Uh, they're they're going to be really good let again. Let me put it this way. They're not going to be in the conference title game next year. You can book that. Well, I mean. Book it. Hey, you could you probably have good odds if okay. you choose well, to you. go that route. Thank you. I think thank it's you. cowardly. I think they are good enough to be in the conference championship yeah. game. Ray's looking at you. I was going to say, let me ask you this. Yeah. Would, would you – Given your, I didn't know he had this predisposition against the I Lions. Got tired but okay, of it. given that, would you still make him the favorite in that division? Um, well, I'd have to be able to name five players on the Bears, which I can't the do. The Packers, it's them or the Packers. It's them or the yeah. Packers, yeah. Um, so obviously the Lions will have a tougher schedule. I'll go Packers. Really? But I mean, you got to understand, Ray. I just took that answer straight out of the old Heine. Like, I, I have no rhyme or reason other than I just didn't want to relent. And, and you I, know what, Joe? It stinks. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, I don't know, Ray. I mean, you tell me, Lions or Packers? I really do like Jordan Love. Yeah, I do. I, I think he's really good. Um, but you know, I think the Lions are a real solid team. They are. I solid. mean, they're, they're oh, off, I give their offensive yeah. line is really good. I their love offensive watching line them. is really good. And I, I, as long as they've got an offensive line that's that good, I still, I still sometimes wonder about Goff. You know, but yeah, uh, but their offense is really but, not that great. But man, he's getting better. He did get better. And I'll tell you, you, you just said a key point, that keeping Ben Johnson helps enormously. Totally. Because I thought of all, the, of all the coaches this offseason, I thought he was the absolute goner. I mean, he was, to me, he was going to get plucked by somebody. It was just a question of who. And the fact that he chose to stay in Detroit surprised me hugely, number one. But number two, that's a tremendous, yeah. tremendous advantage for the Lions that they get him to come back and keep orchestrating. It is a good. And ben a, Johnson was the coach who went to the Commanders, and after that whole process, was going public with the fact that he felt they were a little bit haughty. Yeah, well, which well, that I went both ways for what it's worth. Yeah. The wash. I mean, he, they, I he canceled while Washington was flying out there. It wasn't a great look for Ben Johnson. True. Like they were no. on the plane to go interview him, and he's like, eh, "I'm good." Like that was not but ideal it's, for it's him. It's really hard for me to get on the side of the commanders. <laughs> oh, front it's, it's brutal. So, you know, yeah, I was I'll tell fine you, with it. I'll tell you what side's <laughs> great to get on. The Phil season starts in a month. Let's. I, I want to give you a little taste, a little taste of yesterday, because the Phils are smacking the ball all over the place. 
a little taste of how it sounded yesterday in spring training. Fly ball left field. Hit well. Kelnick going back toward the wall. It is gone. A long home run for Real Muto. Not a bad first at bat. NBC Sports Philadelphia. Obviously, Tom McCarthy on the call. Like a Ginzu commercial, but wait, there's more. That ball's hit well. Out to left field. How about the first games for Alec Baum and JT Real Muto? A two-run home run, and the Phillies lead it 3-0. Feels good to hear, it, doesn't it, right? Carry. It does. First swing by Baum. First swing of the season. How about the ballpark. That? Not bad. How about that? Not bad. 215-592-9494. Let's get, we're going to get to some audio of A.J. Brown and uh, Sirianni, things they said recently. Play it for Ray, get his assessment. Let's talk to Jimmy right now in Hatboro. Hi, Jimmy. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, so I'm going to go Turner first. Uh, 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 Two. Stockton, yep, Turner. Yep. Harper, Harper third, Schwarber fourth. Don't like it. Well, first off, you got three lefties. I don't like two lefties in a row. You got three lefties in a row. I want no parts of that. That's a disaster. Yeah, that's a that's horrendous. I don't know baseball. You're really breaking <laughs> Good response, great. Jimmy. I like that. that you can win drop of the week, man. That was really funny. That's drop of the week gonna, winner. Yeah. I'm going to hang up with – I'm going to throw the mic down after this. All right, Jimmy. He, Elon Musk changed the world with electric cars. Elon Musk taking a leap. All right, John. Elon Musk take a leap there. We're looking for – an uh, interesting phone call. Who took a leap? <laughs> yeah, the old Musk man. Yeah. No. Did he? I, I guess, yeah, that is well, quite he, the smart. Look, he obviously took risk. Most, most people that succeed in a massive way in business take a big risk or many big risks along the way. All right, let's play some audio here for Ray and get his assess- assessment. Let's go back to A.J. Brown. Obviously, this was Friday on WIP. And, um, you know, let, let's play the audio of A.J. And then we'll, we'll get Ray's sense of, as a media member and as a Philadelphian and as someone who's covered the Eagles for many years, uh, for 50 years or so, Ray's perspective on A.J. Brown saying this. A lot of stuff be personal towards me, though. You know, even, like, the uh, the whole diva thing and all that. It's like, I, I mean, listen, I, I know you guys. You guys be talking. You guys, most majority of the news that come out of your show be negative all the time. And I understand where you're trying to get clicks and views and this and that, but, you know what I'm saying, I don't think that's the way to go. I think you should be authentic and you should, you should handle it the right way. But that's not how that show been going. And, you know what I'm saying? I wanted to come on the show and talk to you guys a little bit and see, see what's going on because it, it just doesn't make sense. Ray, you've never been authentic. I got to tell you, you the media, Ray, mm-hmm. not authentic. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Ray, I thought AJ did a, a lot of good with the way he presented himself, and I admired him wanting to come on, stick up for teammates, stick up for the organization, try to settle things down, and in some ways I think he did. I, I agree. Yeah, in some ways. In other ways I thought he sounded a little naive. I mean, like what I would say back to him is, Yo, dude, your team lost six of the last seven. Exactly. So own it. And understand this. When you do that and you don't play another game for six months, there's going to be a lot of negativity swirling around based on how you finished. That's the way it goes, And it's coming from your locker room. Your players are leaking stuff to reporters. That's not us making this stuff up. Like, it's from reports from your locker room, man. That's the way your cookie crumbled. Not my cookie. Your cookie. All, All you guys, Philadelphia Eagles, that's your team. Your teammates, your whole thing, you guys lost six to seven. Own it, dude. Not my fault. Ray, your thoughts. No, I I couldn't say it any better, Joe. That's exactly how I felt. I thought that um, 
to the larger point, how did AJ's entire how did the phone call go? I thought pretty well. I, I actually thought there were some things that he said that I thought made perfect sense. Um, the idea that that he would be upset at the end of the year to me doesn't necessarily that people the easiest thing to say is oh he's just another diva wide receiver. Well, it's a separate issue. I mean, it's he's upset. I I really do think he was upset because the team collapsed. I think he was upset because he felt like he could have done more. Uh, I think he was I think he was absolutely upset, and I think rightly so, with the play calling down the stretch. There were a lot of things that upset him that that weren't part of being a quote unquote diva. So that part of it I totally understood, and I thought he made that pretty clear. But the idea that oh you guys are just being negative and you're just going for clicks when a team has just completed probably the greatest collapse in Philadelphia sports history, at least since the 64 Phillies. What do you expect people to say? What do you expect people to think? Of course they're going to be upset. To, 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 for people to be upset coming off of the end of this season, and especially coming off of that, I, I got to keep coming back that. That Tampa Bay game was yeah. absolutely disgraceful. Totally. I mean, that team was never – how do you not show up for a playoff game? How do you not show up? a playoff game and that's what happened so how are people not going to be upset about that so for people to be upset about that not an overreaction where i think you did have an overreaction was that grew out of that was blow it up get rid of this guy get rid of that guy start over fire sirianni we're going to start that was the overreaction that was the over being upset with the way the season ended i totally get that because i felt it too but the people that said tear it all down, start over, get rid of Brown, get rid of Hurts, get rid of this, get rid of that. That was the overreaction. You didn't have to go there. And there was some of that. But it's understandable because of what the people had just witnessed. So, Ray, is it the right uh, decision to have Nick Sirianni back as our head coach? Uh, I, really, I really had to think about it. Yeah. You know, and I'm not a knee-jerk guy. Uh, I'll tell you, going into the Tampa game, Going into the Tampa game, I was one of the people that said, "There's no, you're not going to fire him, for heaven's sakes. Three straight years in the playoffs. After the Tampa game and seeing what I saw, I started to think, you know what? Yeah, I got to I, I got to think about this. Now, I really did think that it was going to be, this was going to be the decision, that he was going to stay, and there was going to be a massive overhaul of the coaching staff. I really thought Which that. Which is exactly what happened. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. But, here's the other, here, but here's the other side of the but. By doing this, by bringing Nick back, you are going to now start the new season under a cloud. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely going to start. Because now everybody's going to be sitting in judgment on every decision that Nick Sirianni makes. And when you start the beginning of next year and people start the, okay, who's going to be the first head coach fired? He's going to be on that list. You, now, you can dispel that. And you can, if by winning, you can make that go away. But you hate to start the year with that being the question that everyone's asking. Yeah, Ray, it's certainly far from the most important thing, the way Sirianni conducts himself, you know, when he's motioning to the stands or, you know, ripping the Chiefs people as he walks off the field. It's not the most important thing, but I do think it matters. I do think it looks Mickey Mouse. I don't like it. I said it even when they were winning. I'm curious from your perspective, do you, if you had to guess, this offseason probably would have already happened. Do you think Lurie or Howie or both would talk to Nick and say, yo, Coach, tone it down. En enough. Yeah, or, or, or in more simple terms, grow up. Grow up. You know, you're not a high school coach. This is the NFL. And uh, act like it. You know, I, I, 
you know, I mean, I know there were a lot of people that really kind of got off on his emotion and, you know, kind of the mugging on the sidelines and always having fun. You know, he's a young, enthusiastic guy. Okay, I get that. But it's the National Football League. The professional football. Be professional in your role. And that's – I would think that, that probably – I don't know that Howie would have this conversation with Nick, but I think Jeff could. And Jeff should. He should. Because uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a bad look. I mean, even when they were winning, and even after the big win in Kansas City, which was a big win. Yeah, it was. I mean, no, no question that's a big win and a big emotional win. A uh, little lucky <laughs> at the end, but okay. A big win on the road against a great team. Um, the, the video that came out of him standing there barking at the Chiefs fans, yeah. my reaction is, oh, come on. Really? I mean, it's it just it just looked so small time that uh, it's beneath you, it, it's beneath you, and so I, I think you know maybe he still is a young guy, you know maybe it's just something that he kind of got to grow out of, but I think for somebody to call his attention to it and say you know you've won a lot of games, you know you've proven that you can win in the National Football League, you know now start acting like a grown up. Show more dignity. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I I totally. Agree. I mean, I I just I, and I'm sure I'm sure they had that. I would think that he and Jeff probably had that discussion. Well, listen, it's a question. I mean, I, and the other part of it, Joe, is the thing that grew out of this, which Derek Gunn reported, was the idea that this whole season kind of went sideways when Big Dom was taken off the sidelines mm-hmm. because he was there. He was the guy that was there to control the head coach. I mean, really? You're head coach of a National Football League team, and you need your security guy standing next to you to tell you how to act? You know? How to act with the players? Yeah, I mean that's. I, I mean, yeah. like, come on. Think I mean, about that concept. I mean, that's that's something that you have to have a real discussion. I think there are real strengths in his in his game. You know, I think that the, I think some of his energy and some of his enthusiasm is pretty good. Uh, I think there are different ways he needs to approach training camp. I would like to see it'll be a little more physical. I'd like to see the guys work a little harder because I think physically his team ran out of gas down the stretch. I think that was part of it. I think there are things that he can adjust. But when you finish the season. The way the Eagles finished this season, you would expect that. I mean, you. you I tell you what, that. Ray, it's not going to be easy for this guy to ramp up the intensity during training camp. You know, like part of I believe part of the attraction for a player to to Nick Sirianni is you know he's going to have your best interest in mind. You know, forty five minute practice walkthrough that type of thing. You know, when you're not winning, when you don't have that positive vibe. Yeah convincing the guys that putting the pads on is a good idea, that's a lot tougher to do. No question, but I think it's necessary. It is, absolutely. And he talked about it last year in October or at some point. He's going to revisit the way he treats training camp, you know, for this coming season. He talked about it last year, and it meant a lot to me because, you know, that's what I've been hoping for all along. And and I had gotten to the point where I was like, you know what, I got to just leave it alone. Because it is what it is, and it's never going to change. But then he said, hey, it might change. Yeah, but they also almost won a Super Bowl with this 12 months ago. Okay. And this past year, it fell apart. And I, know and I do think he but it doesn't mean that's it why needs it, to be tweaked. doesn't mean that's why I it think fell that apart. might be the word that he used. What's that? doesn't mean that's why it fell apart. Maybe it fell apart because they just kept calling the same place, There's and it wasn't working. And they couldn't pick up a blitz, sure. and Hurts kept leaving the pocket early, reasons. and the defense stunk. Lots. Anyway, I think, let's... I think there's something to be said for um, – I understand the desire to run your training camp in a way that 
minimizes the chance of injury. Yeah. I understand that. But you also have there, – there's a physical element of the game that cannot be ignored. And I remember hearing Phil Sims doing an interview after doing his camp tour this year. And one of the things he said was, he said, man, I just came back from the Kansas City training camp, and I can't believe how hard Andy Reid works his players. Yeah, that's uh, and that was always – I mean, you hitting wise, You know, yeah. It does matter. You have to practice hitting to be good at hitting. Let me you ask you guys. Let me football ask you guys. to be good at football. No question. Let me ask you guys something. Because you guys go to training camp. Sure. You, know, we, you do remotes down there. You're yeah. watching practice. In three years of watching Nick's practices, have you ever heard a pad pop? Uh, probably not, but I'm not certain. But probably not. Seriously? Yeah, probably I'm not. I'm asking you seriously. Have you ever have, – three years of training camp practice, have you ever heard anything that sounded like a pad pop? The only time, I could, I could, Ray – I could tell you no. The only time where it feels like things get elevated to that degree is, is when they, the mixed practice. The scrimmage, you know, the goal line, the, you know, hey, we're going to play for an extra half an hour of, of curfew. They, they do that thing. I don't even know if Nick is the one who did it. Maybe maybe Doug? it was Doug. I don't remember. There was, there was a play down on the goal line that they would go, you know, every year it ended up being. And I think maybe this actually went back to Andy, too, because we did this with Andy. Where, uh, you know, you're, it's full tackle. It's a full day of practice in camp where you're actually taking guys to the ground and you, you go down to the goal line and it's offense, defense. Whoever wins this gets an extra half an hour. And it's huge. And it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, that's when pads pop. You, you absolutely hear that. I don't remember that happening here with Nick. And I, I don't remember that enthusiasm. That's for sure. Because it's so f- few and far between that you actually see a practice with pads. I know. I know. I'm t- when I ask the question, I'm taking out the the mixed sessions mm-hmm. where they bring other teams in. Sure, no, I actually yeah. do some live yeah, scrimmaging, yeah, and there's actually a sense of competition. You get it there, yeah. but when it's just the Eagles out there, there's none of that. The Diddy in studio with us, wow. Howard Eskin, in about ten minutes. Let's go to the phones and talk to Drew calling from Westchester. Hi, Drew. Morning, folks. So I have a Phillies point and an Eagles question for Ray. Where would you prefer I start? Whatever you want. Uh, okay, I uh, will go with the uh, we'll go with the Eagles uh, question. So. Uh, Ray, uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., I watched him at Clemson, and he passes the eye test for me. I definitely want the Eagles to pick him, but just one question I had, when I look at his measurables a little bit, the size does seem very similar to the Kobe Dean. So do you have any concerns about him holding up, you know, injury-wise in the NFL against bigger guys, or do you think he'll be okay there? No, I think he'll be fine. Um it's, it's, it's very funny. People who haven't seen him or didn't see him much at Clemson, um, they hear Jeremiah Trotter Jr., and they think he's Jeremiah Trotter. <laughs> and, and he's not. Uh, I mean, physically, he's very different than his father. And he's going to be a very different kind of player. Um, you know, Trot Sr. was a monster against the run. I mean, he was, he was 245, 250 pounds, who was always blowing up the A-gap. That's what he did best. And that's not going to be Jeremiah Jr.'s game. He's going to be a more off-the-ball kind of linebacker, but he's very good in pass coverage. He's very smart. Uh, he's bigger He's bigger and more physical than N'Kobe Dean. Um, I would think that he'll probably be – I would expect him to be a day-two draft pick, and I think he's going to be – I don't know if – a lot of people love – I would love to see him come to Philadelphia because I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, but wherever he goes in the NFL, I think he's going to play and play well. So okay, he's a awesome. little bit that makes me feel better. He's a little bit bigger than Nicobe from what you've seen, and uh, that's yeah. I don't know what the, I don't know what the tape tells you. I don't mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of tape measurements, 
height, weight, and all. But I, he looks to me to be a, a little bit bigger than N'Kobe. Sure, what's your Phillies point? Uh, yeah, so with the Phillies, I definitely think Schwarber should be lead off. I really do think there's something to putting stress on the, a lot of stress on the pitcher from the jump. I think a lot of pitchers sometimes are like, oh, you know, I'm going to try to just settle in, like throw a fastball, feel out the strike zone, and then Schwarber can, you know, put one in the right field seats off the, uh, off the bat. So it seems like I, I've always liked him batting lead off. It seems like it works. I would, you know, have him lead off on opening day, and I think you only make a change if, you know, things are really going bad Well, I will there, tell you this, true. If, if, if they're inclined to lead Schwarber off, and they might be, I swear to God I won't do it until he proves he's hitting within the year. May 1st, May 15th, June 1st. The guy never hits till June 1st. Why am I going to have him have the most at-bats in the two months of the year that are his coldest? Makes no sense. Rob Thompson Makes talks a no lot about the, the intimidation factor of what it does to a pitcher. I know. I think that matters. Right but not, yeah. Yeah. But not in April. Talks not in April. Talks By the way, did you lot. also know that Kyle Schwarber saw the fifth most pitches per bat of any player in baseball that's last imp- year? That's impressive. Yeah, for a leadoff hitter especially. That's great. Drew, give me an answer. Who or what took a leap? Yeah, so fun football tradition, the Lambo Leaf. Oh, that's a good that's answer. That's a great right answer. Yeah. We're answer. getting some really, really good answers here today as we do today's broadcast here on WIP. Today's show is sponsored by Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, the only app I use. Join me and you're in the zone. New users get up to $1,000 casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. Must be 21 in PA or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLE. All right, so I have a follow-up to the story I told you earlier. Uh, Lech Walesa's name came up. Solidarity movement from from Paul and a real hero. Lech Walesa? What did I say? What did I say? I don't even Valenza. know. Valenza. It, it was. I don't know. Right. Whatever the hell it was. But anyway, uh, world hero, you know, standing up to those commies in the Soviet Union in the 1980s for Poland. Yeah. So, Ray, I had referenced earlier my buddy had a uh, in a bar a, a cigarette of Valenza's son. You know, put puts, whatever his name. So here, all right. So I got the I got the clarification from my buddy. He says his son put the cigarette out on my neck. <laughs> what? He said Jeez. he's the only dude I've ever punched in the face. Yeah, I don't blame him. What? I would punch him in the face too. Then he says, looking back, maybe I did something to warrant it. Um, <laughs> still, though, no reason to put a cigarette out on my neck. And then he said, and my buddy Mark Fleming, he goes, but not too many people can say they knocked out a prince. So there that's you true. Go. They knocked out a, and I asked him. I Jeez. said, did, "Did the kid fall?" And he said, "Yeah." He fell. I th- I thought there this was more of a cooperative moment. <laughs> no, no, no. What no, kind of cooperative out. moment like, is it? Put your cigarette know. out on me. I've I want to see how it feels. Burn like each other purposely. Wasn't the arm? Really? Wasn't yeah. the arm? It was the neck. Jeez. So there you go. The neck burn. All right, let's let's play friendly. some audio of Sirianni. You know, well, we got um, Ray here, and again, Howard comes up in a couple minutes. But Sirianni spoke the other day, and Ray, one of the things John and I wonder again. This poll from the NFL Players Association, which was conducted late summer um, through portions of November, Sirianni got an A, highest grade you can get, an A, mm-hmm. which is a great. Pluses. So I think Andy Reid got an A. Plus. Oh, did, were there pluses? Yeah. Okay, but there was no conducting of the poll in December or January or February while the Eagles, you know, collapse happened or thereafter. So we wonder how much the poll is invalidated based on the Sirianni level, based on when it was done. Um, we wondered yesterday, Ray, is Sirianni's messaging getting old? I want to play for you, Ray, from two days ago, one of the, I don't know, 37,000 times Sirianni just two days ago referenced his core values of five things. Listen to what Sirianni said. I do think, though, with those core values, it is a, you always double down on those because, to me, 
it wasn't a core values. We didn't just make them up and say, hey, connect, compete, accountability, football IQ, and fundamentals are what's important, right? We, that was years and years of coaching and playing that we thought to ourselves, and I thought to myself, these are the common denominators of good football teams. And that's not, that's not changing off of a bad spurt, right? And so it is, it is a true double down on those from day one, um, you know, doubling down on the connection, doubling down on the accountability. I really look at it, those two, the connect and the accountability. Even though I say connect, compete, well, those two C's kind of go together, so it's like they say together. But connect and accountability are the two, I would say, cornerstones of our, of our program that we that those are those are the ones that I, when I really take away, hey, these are important that we play with good football IQ, that we play with good fundamentals, and that we compete our ass off. Those are important, but it all starts. Every, everything starts with the accountability and the connecting, and and so it is. It's almost a a, a double down, a triple down on those um, those core values. Now that's Sirianni two days ago, Ray. Here's what I know: those are good values. They're great core values. They're great cornerstones. Whatever you want to call them. But I also know when I hear it, when I hear it, my eyes start rolling over. Mm-hmm. I wonder about the Glazing. players. Yeah, when they hear it day after day after day, do you think maybe that's part of the problem, that that stuff's getting old? Um, could be. I mean, when you talk about – there's two different things here. There's, there's the values, uh, and then there's the messaging. Mm-hmm. Okay? The values are what you're built on. The messaging is what you say. Uh, the values, the values go across the board, and football is a very fundamental game. For all the for all the X's and O's you can draw up, and all the terminology and jargon you throw out there, the fundamentals of winning football are really very simple. Um, and the idea that what Nick's kind of at the heart of what Nick's saying here is, we have to keep driving those points home. The execution, the fundamentals, the accountability. Those really are the those really are the cornerstone of winning football, but the messaging and how you deliver that to your players is something I think he might need to freshen up a little bit. Because I think what John just said is right. I think at this point, going into year four, if you get up in front of the class, the, the, I'm talking about the yeah. class, <laughs> the, the team it's basically the same. It's a right. classroom, uh, and you start with that same message again. The guy's eyes will start rolling up in their head. Yeah. What you're basically saying, the values that you're establishing, are the values of winning football. But I think you need a different way to deliver the message to get the most out of your players. Ray, a couple final minutes with you here before we get to the King Howard coming up at, at the at the top of the hour. Uh, let's just do one on the Sixers. I mean, we haven't talked to you in forever about the Sixers. They're a disaster right now. H- how do you assess your team, your town, your Philadelphia 76ers? Uh, yeah, I mean, without Embiid, they just can't compete. Without Embiid, they just can't compete uh, with the teams that they're going to have to play in the playoffs. Um, Does it trouble you how much they're losing big without him, meaning that even when he comes back, they just don't have the pieces? I kind of do. You know, I mean, I watched a little bit of the Celtics game the other night, and it was, it was I mean, the Celtics just toyed with them. It was like a cat playing with a mouse. You know, they kind of let the score stay where it was, and the Sixers would make a run and they'd get close, and the Celtics would look up and say, okay, I guess we better play, and that then they'd blow it open 16 again. 16 run. Right. I mean, they just, the, the teams are good teams are going to toy with this team right now. And I don't know, even if you get the big guy back for the playoffs, that you're going to be able to put all those pieces back together again. You know, this team's not going to go very far. However, however, to your point, and you raised this up earlier about the Flyers and the, and the playoffs, yeah. I think they're going to go. 
I think they're going to make it. I did too. I, re- I really do. I mean, I'm a little worried now. That, I mean, they're going to really overwork the goalie because they can't believe in anybody else. I worry about that a little bit. But on a night-in and night-out basis, Tortorella has got this team playing really well. I think they're going to be playing in the postseason. A lot of effort and more skill than perceived before the season started. I agree. It's been really impressive. It's been really, really impressive. Yeah, John's done – John's done. I mean, he's probably not going to win Coach of the Year. But, I mean, I think he's done a really good job with this team. I mean, they're playing really smart, competitive hockey, regardless of the competition. Ray, we will schedule this again soon, my man. I certainly hope Especially so. Especially with, you know, the free agency in two weeks. Yeah. We didn't even get into the combine, and that's one of my favorite right, subjects. Give me a combine. And then Howard's going to complain that we're late to him. And the, <laughs> and the, king, the king can hang off for another minute. Uh, Ray, give me a combine point. What do you got? Uh, <laughs> uh, the combine just, just drive me crazy because I, I just drove me crazy how the scouts would allow one forty-yard dash to totally change their opinion of a player. I just never, I just never got it. However, the other side of it, and I'll make this quick because I want to let let Howard have his time. <laughs> um, the example when ever, anybody ever argues the value of the combine against guys like me who say it's worthless, <laughs> the people will always argue Patrick Mahomes is a great example. When Patrick Mahomes went to the Combine in 2017, there were huge questions about him. I mean, there were people that said he was going to be a second-round draft pick. That was the actual projection. He was going to go into second round. Because his team had only won five games at Texas Tech. They ran that crazy air raid offense that nobody could make any sense out of. He turned the ball over a ton. But they got him to the Combine. They put him in the drills. They worked him out. They saw how smart he was. They put him under center. They saw how quickly he could take away the center and – um, and make all the throws. Can you imagine and seeing that arm for the first time? He threw, he threw the ball. They now use a radar gun, like in baseball. Mm-hmm. He threw it 60 miles an hour. Nobody had ever thrown. <laughs> the ball had never exploded out of anybody's hand Ooh. the way it did. And all of a sudden, his stock changed. Andy trades up sure did. to number 10 yep. to get the quarterback who's now won him three Super Bowls. And his, the, the perception of Patrick Mahomes changed night and day based on what happened at the Combine. So while I have my questions with some of the stuff that happens at the Combine, there are cases like that where you can totally change your perception of a player and can help you win a championship. Ray, great stuff, man. We'll talk to you soon for sure. Always a pleasure being with you guys. The Denny, Ray Dittinger. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.